Doing very well, you know, and here we are. Living the dream. Living the dream. dream. Yeah. I, we had so much fun last week with Jenny and Tanner on our side quest episode. That was a blast, honestly. Yeah. We are, we would love to collaborate with more people and are, we just seem to be bad at coordinating it. So if you would like to collaborate with us, we will say yes. Yes. Uh, we just need a little help figuring out what that could look like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a new thing for us, but it was super fun. Um yeah. we've mainly ever been like guests on Jenny's Other show shows. or like on the yeah. yeah. So we would love to collaborate either an episode for us or you guys out there. So yeah, let us know. We're definitely interested. We are down to clown <laughs> around. <laughs> Last episode mm-hmm. the one before the one with jenny and tanner you phrase you said the phrase masram can't be tamed i did <laughs> and that was very popular tanner specifically really loved that <laughs> yay i feel like we should make a sticker that says masram can't be tamed i'm into it that's all i got just uh- <laughs> wanted to let you know that people liked that oh good i love that people like some of the nonsense that comes falling out of my mouth (laughs) i realized you since we're trying to keep you safe from spoilers you don't hear from people as much as i do i think because like i'm on our social media for this show Mm -hmm. so i i'm we'll try to be better about sharing with you when people talk about us or you thank you i only see stuff on instagram really which is oh yeah pretty safe i feel like safe over there yeah so let me know (laughs) will do it's october spooky month spooky month and in honor of spooky month i've been we've been watching some scary movies and stuff Mm, i just want to share we watched malignant the other day (laughs) okay i have a story about that by the way okay good it's that new james wan movie you know and i thought oh is that his name i think that's his name i'm very bad with directors and producers and all that but I looked at his, like, movies, and he's done so many good things. So I was like, okay, that looks good. And we thought, oh, it's new. We can watch it on HBO. Wonderful, right? Right. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. I hated it. I hated it. We. It was Davey and I and our friend Ryan and Marianne, and we just basically... Normally, I'm not a big talker through movies. Um, I need to be very focused, you know, how I am, even when I watch TV shows. I do. Um, <laughs> and I, it was very easy to just, like joke and make fun of it it mm. was ridiculous the storyline was terrible it didn't make any sense uh i know everyone it's like very popular and it's got and i looked up reviews and it's got great reviews a lot of the reviews say things like oh it's ridiculous in the best way it's you know winking at the odd it's not it's not <laughs> It's just bad. It's bad, and I think it has a lot of real... Afterwards, we kind of dissected it all together. It has a lot of really terrible messages, like, that are very dangerous to to put Mm. out there. Oh, my gosh. Terrible. Well, my story about Malignant... Wait, that was Malignant, right? Yeah. Uh, Somebody posted online that when they see the Malignant malignant poster, all they can think of is the Bagdalegde girl. 
you know the uh one who tries to do a jamaican the like oh, fifth harmony fifth, girl uh, who tries uh, to do a jamaican accent mixed. yes <laughs> yeah. i love that the, somebody was like i can't see the title of this movie without hearing her say it oh my god it was that was more entertaining that clip i would watch that clip over and over again for oh, two hours <laughs> Versus watching the movie Malignant. It's much more entertaining. It makes more speaking, sense. I, I, I can't. I can't. Anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to say, speaking of watching things on loop for hours. Mm-hmm. So from Drag Race Canada, Priyanka and Lemon released a song. Oh. And Lemon raps on it. And it's really a good rap. And so like it like kind of blew up the Drag Race internets. And then Priyanka, <laughs> so she like released the song in video and there's a good accompanying video. And then when like Lemon's verse, who was like featured on the song, it was like Priyanka's song featuring Lemon. And then like all anybody could talk about was Lemon. Mm-hmm. And so Priyanka <laughs> released a one hour long supercut of just Lemon's rap verse on repeat. <laughs> it's like a 30 second clip for an hour long. And I've watched it a lot because I, I gotta like check it. that out. I'm a, I love. I'm a big Lemon fan. <sighs> Me too. I think she should have gone farther. I hope she comes up, comes back on like an All Star season or something. Totally, I agree. Well, that's all I've got. What that's is all I got, sus- I think. what's wait? What's Sisku? Oh, oh, I guess I could talk about that too. We we watched <laughs> a movie a while ago. We watched Suicide Squad oh. on HBO. Okay, and it was like the the newer one that came out. Yeah, I've seen both. The other one was. I wouldn't say it was terrible as much as everyone else thought it was, but it wasn't. It wasn't good. Um, Wait, so were you watching Birds of Prey or Suicide Squad? Suicide Squad. So they they had Birds of Prey, and then they came out with a. a I want to say, a redo. I wouldn't even call it a reboot or like a second one. I would just call it a redo of the original Suicide Squad that they came out with a few years ago. Believe it or not. So are you trying to tell me that there are two Suicide Mo- Squad movies and also a Birds of Prey movie? Yes. Okay. Huh, I didn't I, know that. I think the only common thread between all three of them is the Harley Quinn Harley character Quinn. and the yeah. actress, which she was truly probably the best part of the original Suicide Squad. Yeah, I heard that one was bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Yeah. Um, I didn't see Birds of Prey. I've heard it was decent. Yeah. This one was good, though. The newer Suicide hmm. Squad, we actually enjoyed it. I had very low expectations. Well, sure. And it was it was actually pretty good. It was fun. Um, And it was... A better uh, take on the comic books than, and like the original story and whatever. And it had more interesting characters, better acting. So it's hmm. kind of like a good October type movie if you want to watch it. Um, you could skip the original. Interesting. Hmm. Well, shall we get into the episode? I'm ready. No nonsense this time. We're mm. getting into it. We're flying headfirst. <laughs> so we are on chapter six of The Shadow Rising. And oh, wait. Let me just make sure I don't have any corrections from Pythos first. Oh, okay. Looking on Discord this time. Because on our Discord channel, which if you're not on our Discord, you should be, I will... Maybe I'll post the link and pin the tweet. So go to our Twitter, look for our pinned tweets. So um, so on our Discord, I created a channel specifically for Pythos to post their corrections. <laughs> <laughs> and th- they confirmed that, yes, we were right. The Game of Thrones show is called... Or, <laughs> series is actually called a song of ice and fire uh that was our correction from the pre jenny and tanner episode Mm -hmm. and then we got a lot of name corrections (laughs) i'm not saying merdral i'm not doing it 
Well, so here's a couple that I, I'm not gonna, I'm not committing to these. So number one, Mazram Tame. I'm trying, some people are trying to convince me that it, that's a two syllable name that should be Taim. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that, but they say it's like Fail, like they're both Saldean names we'll put, from Saldean. Put an E on the end of it. Agreed. Um, and then the other one was remember High Lord Tadosian that we oh, were like yeah. it's probably Tadosian and we're we're gonna be wrong so let's change to Tadosian. Yeah. Well, turns out we were right and we made ourselves wrong by switching. Oh, so, so it's Tadosian. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that one too. Mazram team. I think it just might be too long in my head for it to be anything else. I like ta- it's Mazram team, and plus Mazram can't be tame. So. <laughs> agreed <laughs> agreed all right well chapter six is called doorways and the sigil is the lion of andor and this is our first elaine point of view chapter very excited i kind of spoiled it two episodes ago when i was like oh yeah didn't we have an elaine chapter <laughs> <laughs> nope it was like the next one okay so this chapter starts out, um, remember, Elaine and Maureen have just, like, walked into the room where Egwene and Nynaeve have been bickering. interrogating Emiko and Nguyen, <laughs> yes, and, and also Emiko and Joya, and bickering. Yes. Yes. And very uncharacteristic for Maureen. She is flustered, and she walks into the room saying that Randall Thor is a mule-headed, stone-willed fool of a man, and... Elaine thinks to herself about how a saying that her nursemaid Linny had always said that you could wig you could weave silk from pig's bristle. Wait. You could wig <laughs> you could wig. wig. Oh my god, did you just say wig? <laughs> you could weave silk from pig bristles before you could make a man anything but a man. By the way, as you might have learned solely from this chapter, we are going to get a lot of Linny sayings over the course of the series, and I feel like you're going to love a lot of them. I already do. I already love this character. <laughs> so Nynaeve is kind of like smugly gleeful at Moraine's frustration, saying, Oh yeah, well, we breed them that way in the two rivers, but we never seem to have any trouble with them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which Elaine like immediately notices... Egwene, like, give Nynaeve a, like, are you fucking kidding me face expression. (laughs) So Elaine knows that she's just goading Maureen. So Elaine asks what Rand had done to piss her off so much, but Maureen ignores her and instead focuses on Joya and Amico. And Joya, who is currently unbound and being interrogated, Amico is, like, facing the wall. Joya is visibly nervous upon seeing Maureen in the room. And Maureen comes up to her and tells her that she's made arrangements that in four days, Amico and Joya will be taken to Tarbalon. And she says, they won't be as gentle as we've been with you. And she suggests that they find the truth before they arrive in Tarbalon. And then Maureen asks Avienda to go get the guards to have Joya and Amico taken back to their cells. And before she does that, she undoes the weaves of air holding Amico in place. And then Amico turns around and is like squeaks in fear at seeing Maureen and gives her a very deep curtsy. Good. (laughs) Yes. And then the guards come in and escort them out of the room. But before they do, Maureen makes the guards repeat their order, which are that the women are to speak to no one, including each other. There are to be 20 men in the guard room at all times, two more outside of each cell at all times, and four if the cell door has to be opened for any reason. 
And RJ writes that there were rumors floating about the Stone of Tear as to why the two women needed to be so heavily guarded, and that those rumors were sparking further rumors, each darker than the last. So mm-hmm. again, we're seeing the kind of theme of gossip and rumor, which I love. Mm-hmm. I am worried about this, uh, exp- the explanation of, not explanation, the rules, the rules yeah, because I feel like it's probably pre- cursor to something going wrong you think it's like foreshadowing yeah i think that they're showing how heavily guarded these people need to be and that something is going to happen despite them being heavily guarded i mean one of them is okay. is stilled but the other one i don't know i don't trust her and they were just talking <laughs> mad shit about moraine in the last episode at the last episode in our last episode yeah so, once they're out of the room, Egwene asks Elaine, like, why she's upset. Because Elaine was kind of, like, visibly upset when they walk into the room. And Elaine thinks that she's, like, about to cry. And that she feels like bursting into tears. But she's she stops herself because she says, that's silly. And she thinks about the phrase that Linny has, that a, a weeping woman is like a bucket with no bottom. <laughs> and, and Nynaeve gets irate with Maureen at this point, saying, like, you just kicked the prisoners out of the room. You've only agreed to help us question them three times. And then this time, and every time you vanished and this time, like you disappear before we even get a chance to talk to them. What are you doing? Don't get in our way. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And Maureen (laughs) coolly tells Nynaeve to remember that she isn't accepted. So don't fucking talk to me like that. (laughs) And says that the Amerlin may have set them on this charge, but they're all still woefully ignorant, which was a pretty savage burn. She's on a, she's on a tear. She's on a roll like Ashley O. <laughs> exactly like that. Remember that? <laughs> Do I remember that? That, that? that song came up on my, like, I don't know, Google Play radio station the other day. And I was like, oh, yeah, this was such a moment for a moment. Uh, it's still a moment for me. Oh, I still love it. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like it was a moment. moment. So Maureen turns her attention to Elaine and is like, get it the fuck together. Calm down. (laughs) Take a Xanax. (laughs) Not every land has like the customs of Andor. And Egwene is like, what are you talking about? What's wrong? And we learn why Elaine is so upset because she learns that Barrelane was in Rand's chambers. And she's like, not trusting Barrelane. She thinks she's a hussy. She is not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Maureen, at, at all of this, essentially, like, rolls her eyes at all of them and is like, listen, the customs of Mayan are really different, and Egwene, I wouldn't have, like, had you find out about this this way that Berylene was in his chambers. But Maureen is reading the room wrong for once because Egwene says to Elaine, like, I don't care. Like, you can have him. <laughs> like, I wish you well. Good luck. And they give each other a big hug and call each other sisters and it's very sweet yes did you ever watch the super mario cartoon i did yeah oh god yeah do you remember the like princess's skirt always was the same shape like even when it would like tilt or whatever Uh, yes (laughs) her skirt was always a specific shape i guess that's kind of true of everything she's ever been i was gonna say yeah specifically (laughs) think about the cartoon anyway that's almost Princess Peach and her costume is almost exactly how my brain thinks of Elaine. Oh, how funny. Besides the red hair, but like kind of that like perfect puffy skirt, like very princessly. You know what's funny? Speaking of uh, video game characters and Wheel of Time, 
What? Early on, like the first book when we meet Egwene, I, for yes. some reason, viewed her as like Princess Zelda. Oh, interesting. Like I always saw that image in my head of her. I don't know why. Huh. Just like, always saw that. The more you Fun know. fact. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so Egwene then asks Moraine, like, have you ever been in love? And Moraine replies, after thinking for a few moments, I could wager I know the face of the man I will marry better than either of you knows that of your future husband. And everybody basically like is like, ooh, and bursts into a rendition of Summer Lovin' from Greece because they want the whole skinny. <laughs> if this was an episode of like a 90s TV show, the audience would go, ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Moraine, and they're like, tell us everything. Who is he? And Moraine is like, like regretting that she said anything. Is like, perhaps I only meant that we share in ignorance. Do not read too much into a few words. But she does say to Nynaeve, like, don't worry, though. If I ever do choose a man, it's not going to be Lan. Mm-hmm. At this point, which RJ writes that, like, that should have made Nynaeve happy because she's in love with him. But instead, Nynaeve <laughs> says to all of them, <laughs> Um, if you're done gossiping, maybe we can talk about important things, you know, like the impending end of the world. Exactly. I mean, she's not wrong. No, she's not. (laughs) Kind of important. (laughs) So Elaine says that, you know, you might want to know why we were summoned to see Rand and tells them that he's all right now. Moraine healed him. And Moraine says that he almost died and basically tells them about the bubbles of evil Mm -hmm. and the attacks on the three boys. So Egwene doesn't like this one bit, and she's like, is there nothing you can do to, like, keep that from happening? Or is there nothing Rand can do? And Maureen basically says, like, probably not. Like, even if Rand knew how to channel, I'm not sure that he could figure out any way to fix this. I don't know a way to fix it, but if he doesn't learn to channel soon, he's going to be toast. And, yeah. Nynaeve is like, well, can't you teach him something? Like, and then she says, you're the one who knows everything or pretends to. <laughs> there is a lot of sass in this chapter and I love so it. So much of the RuPaul's Drag Race shade button. So much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Egwene jumps in to diffuse the tension and asks Maureen, okay, you mentioned Rand was being stubborn. What about, like, what's what's gotten under your skin? And Maureen basically says that, like, he needs to do something. He's just sitting on his ass right now, reading, and any minute the Forsaken could attack him, and he has to act or he's just going to die. And Egwene's like, well, what do you have in mind then? And Maureen says that, you know, keep this to yourself, because a plan revealed is a plan doomed to fail. She says that Rand should, you know, take the armies of Tyr and wage war on Ilion and kill Samael. Did we decide it's Samael or Samael? I like Samael. Okay. And kill Samael, which Nynaeve thinks is a ludicrous plan. She's like, you want him to, like, actually go try to kill a Forsaken (laughs) instead of, like, uh, being safe and not doing that? And Moraine basically, like, looks at Elaine and is like, well, you you tell them. You get it. Because Elaine was raised in a court in a kingdom. And so she understands, like, politics and war and all that kind of stuff. And so she explains that uh, Samael can't be the only Forsaken to have assumed control of a nation. Because, again, that's, like, they need to gain power and have resources at their disposal. So Samael can't be the only one. He's just the one we know of. And she says that... 
regardless, they are going to come after Rand one way or another. So war will be coming. At least this way, Rand is setting the terms of it. Right. So he can be, you know, in control. Prepared. Yes. Yes. And Maureen says that, or maybe Elaine, I don't remember who says this, but essentially that that will cement both the Tyrans and Ilioners to him. And once he has like two of the most powerful nations in the world behind him, others will likely fall in line and support him as well. And she says, quote, In one stroke he will make himself so strong in terms of men and swords that only a coalition of every remaining nation from here to the Blight can defeat him. And with the same blow, he shows the Forsaken that he is not a plump partridge on a limb for the netting. I like, I that. like that a lot. But as we said, Maureen is fretting that, she's, that he's just sitting here reading, reading the prophecies of the dragon, and trying to understand them. And she mentions a specific excerpt, which I will read, that says... Power of the shadow made human flesh, wakened to turmoil, strife, and ruin. The reborn one, marked and bleeding, dances the sword in dreams and mists, chains the shadow sworn to his will, from the city lost and forsaken, leads the spears to war once more, breaks the spears, and makes them see truth long hidden in the ancient dream. Hmm. And so she says this, and then she's like, I think this applies to this situation. Like, Ilion could easily be seen as this forsaken city because it's under Samael's rule, you know, uh, and makes a couple other, like, connections to this plan of hers and is just frustrated that Rand's not doing anything. And uh, Nynaeve, like, kind of almost to herself in this little gentle tone, says that, like, he's desperate and trying to find his way. And I just, I love Nynaeve so much. She's, again, like, one of my favorite characters, but I especially love that she just is so protective of the Emmonsfield people. Yeah, even though she, like, gets frustrated with them and, and like, is constantly, like, rolling her eyes at the boys' behavior, yeah. she still, like, is yeah. motherly towards them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So Maureen's like, okay, well, he may be desperate, but I'm also desperate. Almost, And she goes, almost desperate enough to dot, dot, dot. Mm. And they're like, what? Do what? And finally, they harass her until she talks about a place in the Stone of Tear called the Great Holding, which is essentially this large cache of items that Tear thought were in any way connected to the power. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, she says, is garbage, but there are a lot of Tarangriel, including a redstone doorframe that is subtly twisted to the eye. And she says if she cannot get Rand to reach a decision, she may have to step through the twisted redstone doorframe to gain, gain answers. And... As she says, you can get three answers, each true, about the past, present, or future. And Elena's like, hello, this solves our problem. Like, we've got our own magic eight ball. We can ask it whether Amico or Joya is telling the truth. Right. But Maureen is like, mm, eh, 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 not so fast, Missy. You could walk through and just, like, if it were that simple, I could walk through and just ask what's needed to help Rand survive and triumph over the Dark One. Like, do you really think I haven't thought of that? And she explains that there are rules and dangers that nobody can step through the doorframe more than once. You can ask three questions, but you must ask all three questions, and you must hear the answers before you leave. And she says that frivolous questions are punished, and if they're questions that touch on the shadow, there are dire consequences. She says if you were to go in and ask about the Black Aja, you might return dead or a gibbering madwoman if you came out at all. Mm. Have you have you seen The NeverEnding Story? No, I think we've talked about this. Fal- that's Falcor, right? Yeah, you're missing out. A, no. But there's a there's a sort of gateway that they walk 
you must walk through or that a trail mm-hmm. you must walk through in the in the book, I guess, in the movie for me. And you have to like ask questions and you're you're kind of judged. They're like sphinx-like things and then they can like destroy oh. you if you don't do it correctly. So kind of kind of reminds me like, of isn't in Labyrinth, isn't there a scene where, like, a little gross little gremlin Muppet oh. is, like, above a few door frames and is, like, asking them riddles about which way to go? Yeah, the door frames themselves, I think, ask the riddles, too, because they're, like, you have, one is uh. one is lying and one's telling the truth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And she also says that it may not even be possible to ask a question about the Dragon Reborn without touching on the shadow in some way. And we learn that the Twisted Door Frame actually used to belong to Mayenne, and it was one of the ways that they've been able to stay an independent nation for so long out of Tyr's grasp, because their rulers essentially used it to, you know, get questions answered about how to stay an independent nation and not be ruled by Tyr. Until eventually one stupid ruler gave it away. So... Egwene says this all leaves them no closer to knowing whether Amica, Amico or Joya is lying. And Moraine basically says, like, my advice is to concentrate on Tanchico. If Joya is speaking truthfully, which she was talking about, like, the Masram Tame storyline, mm-hmm. she says if she's speaking truthfully, it's going to take a bunch of Aes Sedai and warders to guard Masram Tame, like, not the three of you. So even if that is the truth, like, don't go that route because you'll lose. Yeah, you're not prepared. Yeah. But just in case that is the true story, she sent pigeons to the Amerlin seat to let her know of this supposed plan. And then she's like, peace out. And <laughs> Elaine is like so frustrated with Moraine, she says she could almost strangle her sometimes. And when she walks out the door, Elaine and Egwene basically go back to boy talk. <laughs> and Elaine says she thinks that Rand must still love Egwene. And Egwene is basically like, well, we'll have to fix that. We'll just have to put him straight. And then Elaine, like, huffs again about Berylaine, and Egwene is like, remember cultural icon horny Elsie Grinwell? Like, Berylaine is just like her. She's going to find somebody else to make sex eyes at any minute. So the conversation shifts a little bit to talking about Elaine's mother, Morghese, and this Lord Gabriel that she is supposedly mooning after so hard that she's not thinking straight. And Elaine is basically like, I don't believe that. Like, I'm sure Matt is exaggerating. My mother was, like, too too shrewd to be fooled by any man. Hmm. And Nynaeve butts in and basically says, speaking of being foolish over men, like, could we, again, get back to business? And... <laughs> asks them like what are what's your plan with rand because we need to we need to move past this and actually focus on the real things and because she says rand is not the only one who might die next year or next month we might too times are not what they were and we cannot be either if you sit and wish for what you want you may not see it this side of the grave and that is the end of chapter six doorways loved it Bum, bum, bum. Did you enjoy seeing your first Elaine point of view? I did. I loved it. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I like it's. Here's the thing. Regardless of characters you like or don't like, Robert Jordan's ability to shift tone based on the perspective of the character is really impressive. Like, that whole chapter was told through the lens of somebody who is like fretting over this boy she's in love with and thinking about, like, politics and war and understanding, like, intrigue and the game of houses and all that kind of stuff. And it's just such a clearly different way than that 
whole scene would have been told if it was from like Egwene or Nynaeve's perspective or Moraine's, right? Yeah. So I just, I love that. I love that Even too. if you don't like a character, it's like a nice shift. Yeah, I loved it. I felt like in a, to compare it to the Song of Ice and Fire series, I've only read the first two books of that. The Elaine chapter gave me everything I would have wanted from a Sansa chapter. Yeah. That I don't feel like you get with early Sansa chapters, at least in that series. It's much more someone who is of, like, the royal court and interested mm-hmm. in that sort of thing. And, you know, like, the idea of courting and love and and politics and stuff like that. But someone who's mm-hmm. far more educated on it. Far less like, but I want a knight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I yes. loved it. Do you... Are you planning to read the other Game of Thrones books? Maybe eventually. I have the third one, I think. Uh, I just never really cracked it open, but not for some time. Do you want me to say anything about what you just said about that character or not? Sure. Um, I think you would enjoy future Sansa chapters because she starts to become pretty savvy in, like, court politics. Mm, I'm hoping so because, I mean, she, she gets better in the TV show series yes um as it goes on but i've also heard that you know a lot of things happen in the tv show with her character that don't really happen in the books she's not quite as shrewd but i guess we'll see yeah all right well chapter seven of this book (laughs) back to the book that we're actually reading (laughs) chapter seven is called playing with fire which reminded me of the hillary duff song play with fire uh it has a great opening, but I don't like the rest of it. Oh, how funny. I was going to ask oh. you if you've heard the song, because I know it's not, like, a huge hit, but it's one of my favorites of her, like, later songs. You know what? I take that back. I was thinking of a different one. I actually do like that yeah, song. Yeah, right? It's a good one. It is. So this is a Egwene perspective, and the little icon is the Wheel of Time, so, as you said, that deals with, like, fate. Mm-hmm. And she and Elaine are now headed to Rand's chambers together. They're ready to stand up for themselves and and tell him what it is and mm-hmm. elaine is dressed to the nines she's you know yeah wants to look her best she's borrowed some jewelry from the aiel of all people to have jewelry and mm-hmm. she's wearing sapphires to complement her hair and eyes and i just could see it in my mind i love these little details of like the different yeah. types of jewels each each girl would choose and anyway yeah is Egwene wearing emeralds i think so do you remember i think so okay and as they get close, they're greeted by the Aiel guards, who are Cheyenne Metal. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that works. That works. Yeah. Cheyenne Metal. Mm-hmm. Which you can just stone say stone dogs. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I like that better anyway. <laughs> um, and they're led by none other than Gaul, who is, he was the one that was trapped in the, in the cage when we first met him, right? And then yes, he was on the rooftop later. I don't know if I sent it to you, but... Can we pause for a second while I send you a text? Yes. <laughs> Who is that? I, I have no know. idea, but I just loved it. So I just sent Matt a text of somebody on the Twitter of time posted a picture of like a man dancing in a, like a stripper man dancing in a cage and captioned it like gall. <laughs> Honestly, the guy looks a little like Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I could see Jake that. Jake Gyllenhaal. Are you trying to say Gyllenhaal? I've heard it said both ways, to be honest. I've heard maybe more with Maggie, but... It's Gyllenhaal. Okay, well, I want to get it right, because Jake Gyllenhaal is one of my all-time hottest 
crushes, celebrity crushes. You must not have heard the uh, kerfuffle online about how he was like, I don't shower that often. <laughs> you know what? I don't care. It's fine. It's like There's what... a bunch of celebrities right now who are like not showering for some reason. I mean, maybe they're they're practicing water conservation? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back to the actual Back book. to Gaul. So caught off guard, the girls start to try to explain their reason for being there. And they say, oh, you know, we're just here to see Rand about his wounds. Yeah, his wounds. That's why we're here. <laughs> and Gaul signals to the other, like, they're okay, which, you know, doesn't take much convincing. Partly because they believe that they're Aes Sedai, the two girls, and they kind of yeah. like, listen to the Aes Sedai. And they explain that... Be wary, because he's already kicked out a bunch of High Lords and literally tossed High Lord Tareen down the hallway, which I would have loved to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they go into his chambers, and they see no sign of the whole mirror gate situation that they heard about, but they do see a huge mess of <laughs> half-read books, crap everywhere. Um, it sounds like when we talked about Varen's messy study, but mm-hmm. it, it seems more like a, a dorm room, like with... <laughs> or like a Doritos commercial, like just books Not, everywhere, or, uh, trash. <laughs> Rand's basically living in a frat house. Mm-hmm, exactly, exactly. So Egwene also notes that there's gaudy decorations everywhere. There's this weird gold and silver statue above the mantle. And she's just like, she must have been watching HGTV because she's very into the, the decor of the room. Mm-hmm. And Rand is jumps up and he's ready for action. But when he sees that who it is, he kind of relaxes a little bit. And Egwene notes that he looks a little different, more and more like an Aeolman. And she wonders if he's still fundamentally the same Rand, since he's looking so different and she's hearing all these stories about him. He gets kind of shy and says that he's glad it's them. But if they're here on behalf of Moraine, don't even waste your time. And Egwene <laughs> says, don't be a goose. <laughs> Which I, I love that. <laughs> Elaine says that they're here to help him. Um, and they're deciding, like... What's easier to lead with? What Which reason that we're here is easier to re- lead with? And while Rand is reluctant to believe that they're there to help him and not there for Moraine, Egwene reminds him that no matter how everyone else is treating him, she has not forgotten that he's just a fool boy from Emmons Field. And they have what I thought was a really cute moment where they're, like, exchanging quick memories from, like, back from before. But mm-hmm. then Egwene is like, okay, back to business. <laughs> and I love moments like that because it's like showing that they're still human beings and they still haven't forgotten where they came from despite all this shit that's happened. Yeah. And wouldn't you like, if you were essentially a king, you nobody would be honest and forthright with you. And so I think that it probably feels really good in those, like, because everybody else is like, yes, my lord, whatever you want, my lord. Exactly. And so it must be nice to like actually engage with somebody on a human level yeah yeah exactly and i feel like with all of the characters in some way they have this sort of um honor about where they're from no matter what like we see it with swan when with all of her references and sometimes with moraine um they you know they all have aspects of where they're from and how they talk and and what they what they bring up and it seems like they no matter what Aja they're from or he's the dragon reborn or whatever's happening, they all seem to have some sort of, like, pride. pride. Exactly. And I love that. Yeah, it's kind of refreshing. Yeah. Rand interrupts the conversation again, asking if they can... Oh, guys, could you... 
I'm glad you're here. Can you translate the old tongue yet? Because I have this old book, and he's like a conspiracy theorist in this moment, like a crazy yeah. sort of Winona Ryder season one Stranger Things person. Like, yes. look at this. Look at this bundle of lights. <laughs> and Egwene is like, no, enough with this, even though she and Elaine might be able to sort of translate some of the old tongue. That's not why they're here. Right. They explain that despite Maureen saying it's impossible, they want to try to help him learn to channel or control it a little bit. And he goes off on this crazy tangent, still in conspiracy theorist mode, adding in things like, I'm the dragon reborn and I rule Tyr. And <laughs> it's it's crazy. And he decides he wants to like get out of there and meet with the High Lords. He's like, I'm done with this. I rule I'm the Dragon Reborn. And Elaine, <laughs> in a very like rom com moment, is like I care. I mean, we care about you, okay? <laughs> and she just asks, can you give us like an hour? Yeah. And it says, he stopped buttoning his coat, staring at the daughter heir so intently that for a moment, Egwene thought he had forgotten she was even there. And I was like, oh, it's kind of, I feel like it's laying groundwork. Mm. And he succumbs and says, okay, I'll stay. And Egwene embraces and holds within her more of the flow of Sidar than she ever has before. And she asks Rand what he sees. And he's like, uh, nothing. Um, he sees, <clears throat> But he says that he never really sees women channeling if that's what she's trying to do. And Egwene is like, I'm more powerful than any woman who's channeled in front of you, even more rain. So just go with it. But still, he sees nothing. So she hopes instead that by harnessing this power, she may be able to at least learn something of how to heal Rain's wounds. Not to do it necessarily, but the test to see if he could see it failed in her mind. So maybe I'll try to learn how to heal, mm -hmm. how to heal it, because healing for her before has been too complex. RJ writes, carefully she spun out hair fine flows of air and water and spirit, the powers used for healing, and felt for his old injury. One touch and she recoiled, shivering, snatching back her weaving. Her stomach churned as if every meal she had ever eaten wanted to come up. It seemed that all the darkness in the world rested there on Rand's side, all of the world's evil in a festering sore, only lightly covered by a tender scar or tissue. A thing like that would soak up healing flows like drops of water on dry sand. How could he bear the pain? Why was he not weeping? Pretty intense. Yeah. Even someone as powerful as her just kind of touching it, she felt all of that. So yeah. she asks Rand what he feels, and he claims that, yes, he felt uneasy, but it's just because he knew she was channeling, not because he could see it or feel it. And, oh, mm -hmm. there it is again, just talking about it. And it's actually a trick, because Elaine began quietly embracing Sidar at that moment as well. So he wasn't just feeling it because he was talking about it. It was because he could feel something. Right. And they explained, so now do you see, you can feel it. And in a very, like, you show me yours, I'll show you mine moment... <laughs> They ask him to channel and see what they could see. And at first they wonder if he's doing it or faking it. And then Elaine feels her butt get pinched. <laughs> and Rand has like a grin on his face. So yeah. she in return gives him like a wallop on his butt. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and what seemed to me to be like a very cute sort of like Hermione Harry Potter moment, like very mm -hmm. innocent, quickly reveals itself to be far more... And Rand does not like what Egwene did to him. Nope. She asks him to try channeling in a more, like, mature way. And he essentially says, you want me to do something? Fine. And he goes way overboard. 
Egwene and Elaine are lifted into the air. The fireplace bursts forth like raising, raging flames. Books are flying around the room, not like Matilda, but like just like menacing. And mm-hmm. the gold and silver gaudy statue on the mantle melts into thin metallic threads that weave into fabric in the air. And all the while, he's shouting at them. And Egwene is like, oh my god. So she tries to channel thinking she could shield him, maybe. But she feels something and nothing in between her and Sidar all at the same time. Mm-hmm. She can sense Sidine blocking her from the source. And all at once, it just stops. And the girls, like, fall to the floor. And they shuffle, like, to each other, like, hugging. And they're ready to shield him. But Egwene stops herself because she looks at him and she sees him as Rand once again, not this, like, maniac who was doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. He apologizes and says that channeling makes him feel so close to madness and sometimes he can't control it. And, you know, you're safer if you just leave. Like, you know, that whole pushing everyone away thing that he's been doing. Mm-hmm. And Egwene surprises herself and, quite frankly, surprised me too by being very calm about it. And she's like, no, we're not leaving. We're not finished. And he reluctantly asks, like, what now? And Egwene is like, okay, just explain to us how you embrace how you embrace the source, how you embrace um, Sidine, step by step. And he explains, you know, what he envisions, you know, the flame thing. And he says that he puts all his emotions into the flame that he imagines. And when all of these emotions are consumed and there's a void, he can feel and see Sidine. But it's also... He is also in that flame, being consumed. And Egwene recognizes it as what Tam had taught him back in the day, which we've confirmed from early chapters that that's kind of what he learned it from. Right. And Elaine notes that the emptiness and the lack of emotion doesn't really sound like what they do. But Egwene is like, no, no, it is the same because, you know, she imagines a flower and then she is the flower, just like he is the flame. And the difference Mm -hmm. is, like, she surrenders to Sidar and it fills her. So that must be the difference. He has to surrender. And he's like, um, you know what? Maybe surrendering to a flower is okay, but um, I don't <laughs> want to surrender to the flame. He says that, yeah. you know, if he does not reach for Sidine when he's in that void, nothing happens. It doesn't just fill him. And he doesn't want it to. Um, yeah. And he says it's like molten hot metal, and he would probably perish or go mad if he did it. And he tells her to accept it as truth. You know, the taint on Sidine is too powerful and dangerous. And, you know, this is what's one thing that the Aes Sedai are right about. But she's like, no, I will not accept it. She won't accept it until it's proven to her. And she asks him if he can tell the difference between the flows. You know, the air, water, earth, fire, and spirit. And I can tell you what the difference is. Air is a blonde girl from the Soviet Union. (laughs) Fire's the redhead. (laughs) Um, so, did you watch Captain Planet growing up? Hello. I always pretended I was wind or water. Always. I mean, come on. I mean, the the shittiest one was, of course, heart. I mean, I don't even know what he did. He had a monkey. He had a monkey. Sometimes he would make, like, elephants run around and stuff. <sighs> Whatever. He Honestly, though, if you really had control over animals, you would be pretty unstoppable. Yeah, he didn't really, I don't think he took full advantage. He didn't, because we never saw, like, all of the ants in the earth, like, emerge from a giant explosion and, like, swarm people until they die. If, if he was all alone, But it was also a child's cartoon. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> he says that he can sometimes tell the differences, but if at all, it's usually after the fact. 
and lighting the fireplaces, for example, he just wanted it to happen, and it just happens without him thinking about it. And Egwene thinks, okay, that's sort of like when I try to channel wind or water, which makes sense to her because we've heard that wind and water is easier for uh, women to channel and that for men to channel it's usually a fire and earth, and they're usually equal in spirit. Elaine asks, well, how did you extinguish everything. Let's talk about that, because it looked like you did that deliberately. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I do remember that. He says he draws in the flames, and he redirects them to the fireplace. And that's kind of how he Mm -hmm. extinguishes it. And Elaine gasps. They had been taught never to do that in the tower, because it could eat you alive. And that to extinguish flames, they would use water and wind, because... The little of a um, the little of that Elaine tried to do once left her with blisters on her arm, and she's heard that even when fully raised, Aes Sedai had tried to draw in heat like that, that they would burst into flames. Yikes! <laughs> so nope, no, not fun. at all. Egwene begins to get the difference now, and they agree. Like, let's shelf the issue for now. Shelve the issue for now, I guess. And Egwene resolves, like, I'm gonna find a way somehow. And then she says, there is another reason that we're here. And she tells him, Rand, I hate to let you down, but I I can't marry you. And he's like, (laughs) I know. And she's like, do you? And he's like, yeah, no one one can marry me because of, you know, what I am. I get it. And she's like, okay, I'm trying to let him down easy, but he's not getting it. So she basically is like, no, there's that, but I can't marry you because I don't love you um, in that way. So she just rips off the band-aid and tells him. And she says, I'll always care for you and love you like a brother, maybe more, but not to marry. And, you know, people change and they grow apart. And Rand, to her surprise, is like uh, kind of relieved. He says he feels the same way. Um, He didn't want to tell her and he didn't want to hurt her. So they both seem kind of relieved. Um, Mm -hmm. And with that, she turns and leaves, letting go of Sidar finally. She wouldn't let go the whole time. And I'm assuming it doesn't say anything about Elaine leaving, so I don't know if she follows her or not. But, you know, she leaves and she thinks to herself, she will find a way to understand and help Rand channel safely. She will do it. And she thinks that two rivers men are stubborn, but the women are even more. And that is the end of the chapter. Uh, Elaine is still in the room. She left her behind. (laughs) Rude. (laughs) But I guess there's a reason. I mean, she has to. (laughs) It's part of the plan. She's supposed to tell her the whole, you know. I love you kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. So more to um, more on that, hopefully. This scene is so interesting because on last week's episode, we talked with Jenny and Tanner about, I think it was Jenny who said that she, it looks like the TV show is going to play up the romance between Egwene and Rand a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that because I think it'll make scenes like this like much more devastating totally (laughs) because it'll be like they were in love and like they're realizing their worlds essentially like are drifting apart and anyway i think it's gonna be great Mm, remember the scene in the uh what's it called trailer that we saw um where they're like naked in the middle of the (laughs) wine spring in my brother texted me and he was his theory is that that might be one of her like moments of an accepted test like because remember it's like spinning out these different realities and i was like i did not even think of that but it totally could be that makes a lot more sense because i really don't even if they try to play up their their romance i i don't see ran just feels like a virgin to me i'm just gonna (laughs) say it there you said it there i said it 
And now he said it. Controversial yet brave. <laughs> oh, boy. What was your favorite part of these two chapters? This was hard, because I, I just really loved these chapters in general. Um, yeah. I loved Elaine's... I loved the moments when Moraine deferred to Elaine and was like, you uh-huh. tell them. You get it. You understand more. Because it just puts Elaine sort of in a... It's always about Egwene and, and Nynaeve so far, as far as the three of them. And I've always yes. felt like Elaine's yeah, yeah. sort of just there. And it's, Yes, she's getting more character yeah, now. Yeah, it contextualizes like her contribution, and it even talks more about her like power. Um, and I like that Moraine has like a trust in her that she hasn't yet given all the way to the other two. So I like those those moments in, in the first chapter. What about you? Mm-hmm. I think, well, okay, I'm, I'm just thinking a moment that I am going to enjoy on the show, if they do it, is this moment where they're all like dripping in diamonds and pearls, because I think it's going to look really mm-hmm. cool. And I also like, like we saw in the preview, they're doing really vibrant colors. And so I feel like it won't, like, I feel like a lot of fantasy, like even formal wear is kind of boring drab looking and, yeah. and drab. And so I like, this seems vibrant and fun. Like maybe we'll get like a rich purple or something in a dress one day. But I think... Perplexed. Yeah, I think probably the attempt for them to teach Rand how to channel, like the kind of back and forth of that and sort of testing out things. And and it kind of is like they're all, as much as he doesn't know, they also don't know. And so it's kind of like this moment of clueless people trying to figure out how the world works, which is, you know, kind of like the plot of the book (laughs) series. Uh, But it was just, it's just such a kind of interesting moment where, you know, they're trying to guide each other, even though they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. And I wonder if Moraine, I mean, I'm sure they do, but like people like Moraine know more about the differences between the men channeling and, and women channeling and kind of know all the stuff that Egwene is discovering. You know, I wonder if they're oh, she's for just sure. keeping it from yeah. her because she's like, you know, it's, it's kind of fruitless or, you know, that's not the plan here. Even if we can teach them to channel, like kind of keeping things close to the vest. I wonder if she already knows all this stuff that Egwene is feeling like, ah, oh, I'm cracking the code. I think she probably does. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that for $0 a month, you can help support our podcast simply by rating and reviewing it on whatever platform, or hey, all platforms that you're currently using to listen to the episode. And you're probably really popular so if you have a lot of friends like i know you do i'm sure they would love to listen to our podcast so tell them about it that's right we also love connecting with our listeners so feel free to send us an email at coolstorypod at gmail.com find us on instagram facebook at coolstorypod and twitter at coolstorypod1 and uh hey if you want to collaborate with us let us know yeah and thank you so much for listening to cool story see you next week bye